Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. You know, like uh, someone, someone's riding a bike and then they're trying to hit people and, yeah. you know, knock, knocking them off the bike, that kind of thing. And, yeah, after that, you know, in 2020, there were a lot of protests and then there was this big thing, you know, like the clash between yeah. delivery drivers and some people. Uh, and after that, there was the, you know, death of yeah. the Irish kid as well mm-hmm. and this was horrible as well you know and then and I mean after these two horrible things I think I think that things calmed down a little yeah. bit I mean not none of this should happen you know of course both sides and yeah the whole situation is just horrible Hi everyone and welcome to the A Life in Dublin podcast. This week we are joined by Felipe from Brazil. He's a very well-known guy in the Brazilian community abroad as he is the host of the Boulder podcast, which has almost 15,000 subscribers on YouTube. He's spoken to so many Brazilians living here in Ireland and he's now expanding the reach of his interviews to the Brazilian community around Europe as well as here in Dublin. We talk about many things, including what his expectations of Ireland were before he moved here back in 2011, the difficulties faced by people forced to study English in order to have a visa, even if their English is perfect, the tragic death of Tiago Cortes and violence towards delivery drivers, and also advice that Felipe would give anyone who is thinking to move to Ireland in 2023. It's a great conversation with Felipe, and we were really lucky to have him join us on the podcast. Guys, if you enjoy this show, if you enjoy this podcast, we'd really, really appreciate it if you share it with a friend or like it, subscribe to it or whatever it might be. And yeah, enjoy this conversation with Felipe. 
stuff. And no, but just so that I, I understand it, so the studio that you have is it's in Portobello but shared. Yeah, yeah well, I share uh, because there's an office upstairs, so mm -hmm. downstairs is the studio. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and the office is, is like you work there and then you just no, share No, no, it's a friend of mine, he has an office there. So we rent it together, but it's his office upstairs and my studio downstairs. Brilliant. And uh, of course, you know, if someone is recording there, I tell him, because normally we use it in the evening, so normally there's no noise or anything. But if someone yeah. is recording there in the afternoon, I just ask him not to, not to be there, not to do any noise, or, <laughs> yeah. you know. Brilliant. But it's okay. Like, I don't have, the studio is not occupied 24-7, so that's fine, Yeah. you know. But if... I find people to, you know, rent all the time. I will maybe have to move some someplace else. You know? Okay. Um, well, first of all, Felipe, thanks so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no You've worries. come quite a, a way on a Sunday Sunday morning. So it's, it's okay. good. It's good to see that you're not hung over as well. Yeah, I, can <laughs> see that, uh, I can see that you weren't out last night. Or no. if you were, then you can hide it very well. No, I were home. I were home. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about like you said before we started you're kind of when you came and, and your journey but just so people who are listening understand when did you actually come to to dublin yeah my first time here was in 2011 okay i never heard of dublin before i mean i heard of, about ireland uh once many years ago uh i lived in Germany for a while uh, because my mom lived there and uh, I, I had some friendships there and at some point one one girl I met there she said oh you know I stopped uh, I'm going to leave Munich and I'm going to Dublin Ireland I said, Ireland what is that <laughs> <laughs> the first image in my head was like a mountain Mm. and the sheep yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> kind of the, the typical uh, the stereotypical image when you think of Ireland nailed it yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no I mean yeah, yeah. you know of course it's not that but it, it, it's like they, they said the word Ireland that's what mm -hmm. came to my head and then uh, you know when I came here years later you know of course it was completely different you yeah. know like uh what I saw, I saw the city and I saw the spire and then the lights at night, you know, I came in at night and it, everything was very different. But yeah, so my first time was 2011. I came to study here to do okay. a master's degree after my college in Brazil. Okay. Time. Yeah. And which wow. uh, university did you do your master's in? Uh, Griffith College. Griffith College. Yeah. South Circular Road. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, what did you do your master's in? Digital media. So... Mm -hmm. Perfect. <laughs> what I do now, you know, yeah, yeah. what I work now. And uh, what got you, you, know, you have your podcast now, uh, the Boulder podcast, uh, but what were you doing before that that made you want to get into uh, digital? I always liked video and video production, especially, and editing. And uh, when I was in Brazil, I, you know, my, my, um, my college is in advertising, mm -hmm. communications and advertising. And then there I started, you know, when there was some assignment to do, I, I started doing videos, 
to present this assignment. So I started studying uh, Premiere and, mm. you know, all these softwares. Mm. And then a friend of mine started working in a TV station there. So mm. I was asking, you know, I was very curious about this and asking a lot of tips about it. And after the when, after I finished college, I was looking for a place to, to go in Europe you know, to do a master's degree. So I was researching everything. And the course that I fell in love with was this one, you know, like uh, from everything I saw. Yeah. And also I had a girlfriend at the time who wanted to study English because yeah. she didn't know English. And then, you know, everything combined. So we came here. Okay, brilliant. Um. What I'm curious to know is because you came back in 2011, right? This is 2011 was the year I finished, I finished college that year, um, and it wasn't a particularly positive time in Ireland. Actually, it was we were still in a recession. It was very difficult to find work. Uh, majority of Irish young people were emigrating, um, and you were immigrating, so that it was an an interesting kind of change. But now Dublin 2022. Is very different to the double, in my opinion, to yeah. twenty eleven. I wonder how you have seen the the yeah. evolution of Dublin since since then. Yeah, I, in twenty eleven, I remember that before coming here, you know. Uh, so the college was kind of paid, and then like people were saying, "Oh, but Europe is in a crisis and stuff." And I was like, "Yeah, at least they will accept me there." You know? <laughs> <laughs> At least it would be easier for me there, you know. <laughs> and but when I came here, I just I remember seeing, especially in the Dublin Eight area where I you know studied and I lived nearby, and uh, I started seeing all these shops that were closed. So yeah. ev everything was closed mm. there, you know. Yeah. And uh, you you know graffiti everywhere and these mm. kind of things, but. I think after that, yeah, things started changing and uh, yeah, the country grew a lot, you know. Yeah, I mean, even from my point of view, I think it started to improve maybe from 2012 onwards. Yeah. But when I came back, so from being away from 2015 to 2019, I, I can't remember if it was 2018 or 2019, COVID has just trying to change <laughs> my perception of time. 18, I think. I think it was maybe 18. But there was a bit, I noticed a huge difference in Dublin. in Because little things like I remember coming back one of the first times I came back and I went to the pub for a pint with my brother. Um, and I we sat down at a table and there was a lot of lads beside us. And they were having, like young lads, like mm -hmm. our age, having dinner and pints in the pub. And I was like, that's not... Like, we didn't do that it's a few years normal. ago because either you could afford to go out for a few pints or you could go out for dinner. It wasn't two. <laughs> yeah, one or the other. Um, so, like, for me, there's a massive change. Like, Dublin has, and I hope it stays, and who knows what's going to happen over the next few years, but there's, I think, a big difference in terms of the amount of money that's been around and the amount of money that's been spent. Mm. Yeah, but even people were saying, oh... Like, I remember my, my father asking me, you know, like, oh, but is it in a crisis there? I said, yes, but, you know, if you look at the shops here, 
the streets are full yeah. and everything, like in the city center especially, you know? Mm. Yes. Yeah, I remember seeing clothes, uh, shops closed in a part of town, but in the other part, you know, like in the city center, you always see people shopping and doing everything. So how, the, yes, it, it was a crisis, but it's not a huge crisis, I think. No, it didn't. It, there wasn't violence on the streets kind yeah. of thing. It wasn't that level of a crisis. I think it was, uh, well, I think some people got caught. Um, yeah. People who maybe bought a house right at a really bad moment where they got almost 100% mortgages and then next thing they're left with these mortgages which they can't pay. I think those were people, I, I was lucky, I came out of college, I, I didn't have anything. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so assets. Yeah. Nothing has changed actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so I think some people who had really, you know, bought something who were, yeah, had long term loans, I think that's where the, the problems were. Yeah, for me, these didn't have any effect as well because yeah. I was, yeah, I was just trying to understand uh, more who I was at that time. Yeah. You know? I I was just studying. I remember I was lucky at this time because I I got like uh, from my stepfather I had part of tuition paid, you know, mm -hmm. in the college. So it was like I was just uh, I wanted to enjoy this experience, you know, like oh now I gotta make it work because I had this memory that uh, when I went to Germany after. I don't know, nine months, I said, ah, I can't stay here, you know, it's too cold, I have no friends, and then I said, okay, I want to go back to Brazil. And this time, I was like, no, I gotta make it work, you know, I gotta take this opportunity, because it was like a once-in-a-lifetime thing, you know, yeah. like, uh, that you're able to go abroad, to study something that you like, you know, and I really liked the college here, mm. and I really liked... Uh, video production that you know they they had this topic there as well yeah and then i was like no i gotta enjoy this and i didn't want to feel guilty mm -hmm. you yeah. know that i that i didn't take this chance so my thing was let me just study and let me do my best to to do to do this college so i was fortunate enough as well i didn't have to work at the time you know and also, it's like, uh, I don't know if you have a lot of Brazilian friends, but now one euro is five, five to six reals. Mm -hmm. At the time, one euro was like two and a half, you know, yeah. wow. two, two reals, 30 cents. So the inflation has kind of massively gone up at the moment. Yeah, the crisis in Brazil yeah. and, you know, everything like it, it uh, deteriorated the value of the yeah. our, our money. So... At the time it was easier so and the rent here was much cheaper yeah, yeah. so like i could get 500 reals from brazil and pay my rent here yeah wow and, you know and 500 reals now doesn't pay anything a week wow. maybe yeah <laughs> even so you that's crazy did your uh, you did your masters you, you stayed in ireland and now you've kind of created a life for yourself where you essentially interview Brazilians living in Ireland going through some a lot of what you've already gone through 
and I think I think it's a great a great idea because there's such a large population of Brazilians in Ireland and and Portuguese speakers. Um, what what are the problems that Brazilian people are experiencing that they just either don't have the language capabilities to tell Irish people or just don't want to talk to Irish people about them, that they're, they're more happy to talk to Brazilian people? Well, it's a variety mm -hmm. of things. I mean, the main problem everyone knows, which is... Rent. <laughs> yeah, accommodation, rent. And yeah, but and normally the Brazilians who come here, they come to study English, so they yeah. come to learn English, uh, you know. Uh, and uh, so basically, yeah, rent is the first thing. And then for some people uh, and for us, uh, for some time, it was the violence against the delivery drivers, and mm -hmm. uh, riders, uh, especially. And then this was, I, I think, the main thing from 2020 to, you know, 2021 or yeah. maybe, maybe even the beginning of 2022 uh, but can I, before you can, can do you, can you tell like of, I'm sure you've spoken to some let's say one particular part it's happened to multiple people but can you give us a rundown of, of a story from someone who's experienced something like that well the main thing was the Tiago Cortes yeah. Right, I think yeah, okay. his surname is Cortez. I, I, if I'm mistaken, you know, maybe yeah. I'm sorry, but uh, so yeah, he got killed uh, by a few people who, you know, run over him by with a car, and then he was uh, riding a bike, you know, yeah. delivering food, and this was the the first thing, or the not the first thing, but the big thing climax. that happened, yeah, the yeah. climax. And but before there were small attacks, you know, like uh, someone someone's riding a bike and then they're trying to hit people and yeah. you know knock knocking them off the bike, that kind of thing. And yeah, after that, you know, in 2020 there were a lot of protests and then there was this big thing, you know, like the clash between yeah. delivery drivers and some people. Uh, and after that, there was the you know death of yeah. the Irish kid as well, mm -hmm. and this was horrible as well, you know. And then, and I mean, after these two horrible things, I think I think that things calmed down a little yeah. bit. I mean, not none of this should happen, you know, of course. on both sides and. Yeah, the whole situation is just horrible. And I mean, but yeah, from what I interviewed delivery drivers, the main problem, you know, the normal problems were like that, like uh, small attacks here and there. One of the stories that I interviewed was one of the delivery drivers. He, uh, he was attacked by, he said, 11 people in well in fingers and then you know he had to go to the hospital by himself like a taxi driver you know stopped for him he had to go to the off to the hospital and then the it was so long for them to do something 
about him, you know, with his face, that he had to f to fly to Brazil and do a surgery there. Mm, my God. Yeah. And this was like a big thing as well. He went to the news and... But, you know, they never caught the guys, you know. Yeah. Like that antisocial behavior. It, it's rampant both in Ireland and, and in England. Like I've watched, uh, you know, Vice. Uh, they did a documentary essentially on delivery drivers that it's probably one of the most dangerous jobs at the moment like you know you, may, you either may have money on you or you have food on you you have things that people kind of want and uh, because they're either on a bicycle or a moped I don't think they're doing they, it for money though no no but they're doing it for anti-social behavior yeah but that also entices them just to kind of do it as well because there may be a little bit of you know some goods out of it if, if they do it well enough yeah it's crazy I mean I, they don't have like I don't know how much those money those guys carry, but if eleven people like I can't imagine you're making much money off that. Yeah, um, yeah I mean one thing that we, <laughs> it's it's weird, but it's like Brazil is much more violent than Ireland. You know, like I, when people start sharing stories like that, even I'm here and people say, oh, you know, Ireland is very violent and stuff. No, it's not. You mm. know, it, you can't compare Ireland with Brazil. Mm. Uh, but the thing is, the violence in Brazil is not justifiable, but understandable. Okay. You know, I mean, I can understand mm. one guy who has nothing or barely nothing trying to rob you. And yes, mm -hmm. I can under I can't justify. I don't think it's right. Yeah. And I think this guy should go to jail if he steals a, a, an iPhone or if he steals a car or whatever, you know. But... Here, I don't see any justification, like any explanation. I don't see anything, you know, I mean. Senseless boredom, nearly, yeah. it's crazy. It's, it's like that, you know. Yeah, I I actually think, you know, having grown up here and, you know, at, at times been a victim of that type of thing myself, never to a, as much of degree have been attacked by 11 people or anything like that, but you're always going to get something happen to you growing up. Um, in Dublin I think you know not being very serious whether it just be like verbal abuse mm. or sometimes you know you might get robbed I, like walking to, we used to walk to the park to, to go to school and, and we got robbed once by you know lads that were threatening to smash bottles over our heads and stuff like that mm. so at the time we were like yeah take everything I have <laughs> um, which was very little mm. um, I think that there's a, a part of the problem um, and this is very, very like I'm in a very comfortable position to be able to say this, but part of the problem is the fact that there's an us and there's a them. Um, and this is going back years in the history, right, of maybe what comes from, we'll say, the British culture of the, the class system. Mm -hmm. um, and I think like you, 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 there's all sorts of names that you might call these lads, you might call them little scumbags, snackers, whatever. Nice. Um, whatever you might want to call them jabs in the UK um, and there's this kind of you're identifying those people as as, as, a group. as as a group right which then limits the amount of possibilities that a person has um, because you know like even if you're applying for a job maybe you don't want to put down your home address on the mm. job application if you come from a particular area because it might you might not be that type of person mm. at all but it identifies perhaps as being in a particular category. And I think 
part of the solution is for us to, you know, to become a, a more integrated society where I've often spoke about decategorization on this podcast. I think that's a very, uh, let's say, soft skills, nice way of putting it. I know it, probably you also need like better policing, more, more presence of police on the road. That type of thing is also a solution. So I need to think you need like a soft and a hard hand to deal with this problem. But at the moment, I don't think anything has actually been done. So um, more money into social services, issues. yeah, social yeah. services, social issues, giving people opportunities. It's the same like that they've done with. If you have a CV, you you don't have a picture on your CV anymore in Ireland. Uh, you don't usually put your gender on. You kind of take away those things that can be screened out. So if, like you said, if it was from a. a typically disadvantaged area of Dublin, you might be screened out just for having your address there, regardless of if you grew up there or if, if you're involved in any sort of antisocial behavior. So I think negating that possibility to be screened out because of things beyond your own control is probably the best way to give more opportunity. But uh, unfortunately, these ingrained ideas might already be in our head and it's going to be two, three generations if there isn't any radical uh, change done in the next 10 years like yeah but yeah but I, I don't know what the solution is but what I you know what what is strange which is strange to me is like the guy comes from Brazil I'd say a delivery driver you know and then he's working there on a bike in the cold 60 hours a week mm -hmm. <laughs> sometimes mm -hmm. you know doing whatever he can and you know bringing money paying rent and like yeah, working. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he says off. He says off. You know, trying to provide something or you know, trying to stay here, trying to pay for his college here, mm -hmm. trying to get a better job. And I don't know. We we don't see them as a oh poor guys. You know. Yeah, yeah. It's it's it is heartbreaking, and yeah. I think more people need to be aware of of how difficult that kind of job is. As you said, the transition from being in a hot country to you know, the weather that we just had a few minutes ago, it's cold, mm. it's raining, it's windy, yeah. um, and then for multiple hours a week. It's, it's not up to, it's not up to the people who've moved into the country to have to understand the, the nonsensical violence of the people from that country. You know, it's uh, hard enough, like you said, trying to get used to it, trying to find places, trying to make friends, trying to understand the social structure and the, and the way of life in a country. It's not up to them to be like, oh, well, I got attacked because of the social issues in this area. You know, that's not a, it's not a reasonable thing to expect someone who's just been attacked to get, you know, mm -hmm. to think about. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's up to us to really kind of try and enforce some sort of social responsibility upon people. And uh, either that by like, shit, like putting yourself maybe in a potential dangerous situation, like if someone... I mean, I was walking across the Millennium Bridge in Dublin from north side to south side and these two little, uh, two little young lads, uh, snack boxes, snack boxes, nanas, whatever you want to call them. And they started just harassing this woman on this, they were kind of poking her and pulling her and kind of, just, poor woman was probably in her late fifties, early sixties, that kind of thing. Wasn't really sure what the hell was going on. And like because I was walking by and I wasn't afraid of a bunch of 13 year olds it was only two of them you kind of just shout at them and be like you know, tell them just to 
f off or get away or like understand what are they doing kind of put them in their mind that but that's only one time in probably my 10 years living in dublin that i've ever had a, an opportunity to feel confident enough to insert myself into a situation that might help somebody what was their reaction uh, they were just they told me to fuck off yeah, for blah, blah. I'm just like and I just told them essentially we just shouted at each other and I just waited with the woman for two three minutes until they were definitely gone and that she kind of got herself back in she was shook like you know yeah, yeah. and she didn't seem like a native of Ireland either so she was kind of just a little bit like well what, what happened there what happened there but you do have to kind of put yourself into that situation you need to put yourself in a little bit of danger if there is going to be some sort of like you know righteous action towards these kind of yeah, but, behaviors but, but not everyone feels comfortable like in getting <laughs> no, no, like, i'm six foot i'm six yeah. foot three and a half and i'm as, i look stern as feck like do you know I, i feel like i have some sort of intimidation tactic that i could employ if you're a five foot five and have no confidence or anything like that you're not going to be able to stand up for someone else you can you might not be able to stand up for yourself like yeah You know, yeah, it, I it think long term, I don't think that's the solution. I think that's good what you did, and yeah, being a, an honorable member of society and stuff like that. But I think, I, I don't know. I think that it's it's a it's a it's a difficult fix. There's not just one answer. There's probably multiple answers to mm. to the problem. Um, how has the Brazilian community itself within Ireland dealt with all of this? Uh, I know there was a lot of support and nice messages and everything were around unfortunately what happened with Tiago and stuff yeah I mean did it bring the community closer together I think so but uh, I think we were just trying to you know be more careful or to uh, take more care of where we are going and yeah. stuff you know but yeah like it brought people closer I, I, I think they were I mean, we organized, not we, but you know, some people organized uh, a crowdfunding to pay for the funeral costs and to send uh, the body. And then, yeah, but I think people, Brazilian people here, they are close. Normally they are very, it's a very um, caring society, yeah. you know, community. We try to take care of each other. Even sometimes we say, oh, Some uh, even sometimes we we say we don't say nice things, you know. Not every not yeah. every time, but uh, we try to to be always uh, to take care of each other. I think, and I know that you know in the Brazilian groups, people say, "Oh, you know, don't go to this area. This area is dangerous, and don't do this, don't do that." And we. Yeah, we, we try to strengthen each other, you know, to be, yeah. you know, more in a close group, I think. Uh, and But I, I don't know if this fact changed something. I think we were always like that, you know. Yeah, I, I, I imagine so. I, I always imagined, you know, I, I used to work as, a, as an English teacher. You, mm. you still do. Um, so I've been in, in close contact with the, the Brazilian community really since oh. I started working as a teacher when I was tw in 2013. So, um, and actually it's kind of when you first become a teacher, you remember those people more than the thousands of other Brazilian <laughs> students I had, but just, you'll always remember the guys at the very beginning. I think because when you first become a teacher, you're almost more friends with yeah. the class, but 
as you've been your teacher for a longer time, so many people come and go that you don't really you can't you can't yeah. you can't go for a pint all the time with every new group of people that come in. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, all most Brazilians, as I said, they come to study English and uh, school. It's funny that school is like the. No one wants to go to this school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What? No, yeah. I can't believe that. And uh, we go because it's like uh, the responsibility. I mean, it's because of the visa. Genevieve. Yeah, yeah. Genevieve, yeah. <laughs> and it's weird that uh, we have to stay there for like, uh, what, 15 hours a week? Something like that. Mm-hmm. At least 20, really? Yeah, 15 to 20. 15 to 20. Yeah, 15 to 20, 20 yeah. Man, it's... It's not not amazing, you know, no, to I have imagine. to go to school and people when they when everyone starts being confident with English and it starts to be even worse. Yeah, because you're know. like I don't need to be here anymore. Yeah. yeah. And then when they change this law. Okay, so this is one of the you said the problems that Brazilians face. Yeah, this law that changed from eight months or from one year visa to eight months. Mm-hmm. Now you gotta pay a new school every eight months you know mm-hmm. it's really horrible yeah you know people it's like a money grabbing machine you know oh, one, one <laughs> absolutely. 50 million percent absolutely i um i so i used to work for you know uh, a big school here um then during the pandemic basically i set up an online school with a, a colleague of mine um and at this point i realized everything behind all of the visa stuff because I was like oh yeah we'd love to be able to offer um, visas as well in our, in our new school and I realized the, you know, like how difficult it was to be one of those and I can't there's not that many other businesses during the pandemic where a group of students were legally obliged to pay for something at a mac at a rate that you know, for a service that they weren't receiving. So yeah. you were paying for in-person classes a certain amount of hours a week. And then you were paying the same for online classes. And I think it was less quantity of hours per week. And it just obviously wasn't the same thing. And maybe some people were delighted they could just like stick on Zoom and put on yeah. a black uh, screen and, and just kind Sleep. of just go back to bed. Yeah. But it was crazy. Yeah, I, I couldn't like they were paying so much money for this service that and they but they were legally obliged to do that and instead of uh, so if the school had 500 places for a student now magically they have unlimited mm-hmm. yeah they could yeah. sell a lot of uh, spaces for you know the same amount of money you know yeah I just I always think back to whoever was in the room when that decision was made there was some uh, corrupt handshakes going yeah. on there for sure brown envelopes well, for sure. I don't know if it's brown envelopes or <laughs> definitely well it has to be like I mean it's not like I mean it's weird to say like I, I, I still work at it but part, part of my frustration with the industry that I'm in is that we're just being uh, they're kind of getting into groups now groups of language learners coming over and you become a glorified at least with, you know, adults and Brazilians, you can kind of talk to them and help them get along with their life, try and solve some life problems, may help them if you find out somewhere that might be cheap for rent or a good place for them to possibly meet new friends. That's interesting. 
But when you get into the industry that we have now, where it's literally groups of students, European students, over for a week, two weeks maybe, maximum, and you're a glorified babysitter just talking to them in English, and it's rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, and you're working out weekends for like ridiculous hours to be teaching English when none of them are interested, at least for the students who are using the Gen IB, you, le you learn English, you have to kind of go to classes. There is a some sort of benefit for them going to it. They hopefully will get better at English, they'll find jobs easier, they have more opportunities in the future. But the industry now is essentially get as many students in and just make as much money as possible. Teachers aren't really being looked after, they're not being provided with enough uh, time to prepare for lessons, uh, they're being run ragged. Um, like. I, I would work maybe a 38-hour week of teaching. I get paid for an hour of preparation. It's not, it's not really good enough. While an actual secondary school teacher will teach something like maximum 28 hours and they get paid the rest in preparation. So yeah. it's, it's bad for the students, it's bad for the teachers, it's bad for the actual industry in general, and yet it's continued to do it and I, I don't really know why and I can understand why uh, people are, like people who've moved into Ireland for that purpose are frustrated with the whole process mm. do you know I, I've, uh, I've like I said I've taught enough Brazilians and to know that you know they're just there just essentially for the for the visa and uh, I, I think the the rules they are a kind of hypo hypocritical as well because they say, okay, come to Ireland, you're going to study, and then you're going to work 20 hours a week, yeah. which everyone knows it's impossible to make a living here if mm -hmm. you... And pay rent. Yeah. Yeah. Because, it, of course, the 20 hours a week will be only for the rent, you know. Mm -hmm. yeah. Then you got to work the rest uh, to, to leave, to do something, mm -hmm. you know. And um, they make these rules. Let, let's be honest, though. They know that. I know they know. They know, know that. <laughs> uh, and they know, they also know that they can't, they probably can't say, come and study and work 40 to 50 hours a week because that's almost like inhumane mm -hmm. to say that. So it's almost a marketing technique. Yeah, come here, study 20 hours per week. And, and then you come here and you realize that. But they know that, of course they know that that's not happening. I think it's a political choice. Yeah. You would be, you wouldn't look good if they said, yeah, come here, work 40 hours a week. Exactly. And then, That's what it, yeah. Exactly. And then people, then, uh, you know, people who don't, who, because you guys are in this field, so you understand a little bit about what yeah. we go yeah. through. But some people will just say, why, you know, a student, we work 40 hours a week? No, you know. And then what about the rest of the population, the jobs and stuff? And But, but the Irish government has no idea. They, I, I remember, do you remember there was that scandal of, visas being given out and students not attending schools and there was a lot of English schools closed down and I remember being there when the government because our, the school I was working in at the time offered to be a representative of the industry and they just they had no idea so they were like okay you're a school so you start in September and you finish in in June They're like no no it doesn't work like that it's like okay so you probably have like what a thousand students per year it's like no we have about 25,000 students per year and they're like 
how is that possible? It's like, well, some students come for two weeks, some students come for nine months. Mm-hmm. It's like a continuous rolling door. The government had zero idea of how the industry works, mm-hmm. uh, but yet they're making these decisions. Yeah. Um, Probably with uh, some kind of representative also in, in other countries who also have no clue what it's like to be a student and go and live in another country. So The irony is we're also underrepresented ourselves. It's not like we can't, because we're English language teachers, we can't join a union for teachers because they don't consider us actual teachers. Mm-hmm. So if we have gripes with the industry, tough luck. It's just you work a... A lot of the time, these schools are just offering zero-hour contracts. Yeah, we'll keep you working, but mm. you know, when there's no work, we don't have to provide you those hours. And what am I going to say? No, <laughs> I still need to work. And you know, while I love my job, talking to people, learning so much about other cultures, other languages, learning a couple of things. Like I, I love being able to say "suas patatas estás asando," you know, to mm. students who are talking a little bit too much. I'm just like watching. You have that kind of fun and that relationship, and it, it kind of just, unfortunately, you don't want to leave because you like the students and you like the work, but you also feel like you have to leave. Otherwise, you're not really looking after your own future. It's not stable enough. You, you're working maybe every week to week you're looking at the end of one week what am i doing next week it's crazy for both teachers and students and i think that's why we get on so well because they're screwed and we're screwed but we screwed together like yeah. but yeah. uh I don't know. that's why i'm not in the industry anymore <laughs> true, true. um anyway like it's I'm, I'm fascinated also about your your journey with the podcast um would you call it a podcast would you call it you do you call it the yeah, Boulder podcast. podcast yeah um we spoke about like how it got started but how has it evolved like you just you had the idea that i'm just going to start having conversations with with the community here in dublin um did you have big grand ideas of where it's going to go or it just kind of happened no the thing was i had a podcast before i had the pod pod ireland so pod ireland Mm -hmm. let's say and um, it was me and a friend of mine and it was more about uh, tips for exchange students you know mm. basically what e-dublin i don't know if you know e-dublin it's the I've biggest them, yeah. portal of uh, yeah for for ireland you know so it was basically this so we were explaining uh, how it works you do an exchange program you know what they should do and blah blah blah. and then we interviewed a few people but everything online and everything Mm -hmm. only audio and when you know at some point it gets boring Mm -hmm. we got tired talking about the same thing you know and then it just finished and Talita, who did the podcast with me, she, she moved to Belfast. And after there was a new wave of podcasts, you know, mm. like uh, in Brazil, especially. So basically, Flow Podcast, which is a big one. So they started doing the same as Joe Rogan and then started growing. And then there was a big, um, yeah, a new wave, let's say. Yeah. And then I, yeah. And then I said... I could do that, you know, and I really like production and, you know, I like uh, producing content, you know. Yeah. I always watch YouTube and I'm like, you know, I should be there, should be doing this. And I was like, but how can I not make the same mistake, you know, like how can mm-hmm. I make it 
so I so I don't get bored. Yeah. So he said, let's talk about the life stories, you mm. know, of people. And um, uh, so this was my first thing. Yeah. And then I said, I don't want to be about Ireland. Like, okay. I don't want to make it about Ireland. I want to make it a general thing. Yeah. But to niche down a little bit. So I said, okay, let's do the story of an immigrant, you know? So the guy comes from Brazil and comes here to Ireland or whatever, wherever. And what did he do to get where he, you know, mm. where he is now? So I, so that's why I started with occupations, you know, professions. So let's say I said, oh, there's an engineer here. Mm. Like normally Brazilians, they, they want to come here, they want to, you know, they will be a kitchen porter, they will be a cleaner, they will be yeah. a delivery driver. <clears throat> uh, but what if what if the person wants to be an engineer, you know? Mm. Uh, so I found a Brazilian engineer here. So I said, okay, let's talk, you know, how did you go through, what did you do before, uh, you, you know? So we go through the whole process of how she achieved this thing, Yeah, you know? And then, uh, and then I did this with a lot of professions, you know, like a video maker, uh, I don't know, a programmer, a developer, whatever. And, uh, and so why not to be Irish? Because at some point as well, I knew that the stories would blend together. Yeah. You know, there will be one guy who came here, he was a cleaner and then he was a kitchen porter and then this thing happened with him and then he became what he is now. Yeah. So I I put Boulder podcast because I wanted to be like, I was like, oh, this guy is bold enough to come here, you know, and do this. Mm, I like it. Yeah. And, uh, I put bolder because I want to be even, you know, yeah, even yeah. bolder. <laughs> you know? And uh, so, yeah, so that's the story about how it, it started. And I was like, first, I wanted to know if I would like to do this, you know. And I invited four people I kind of knew, you know, I knew. Uh, one friend, but one person I was a friend, but I didn't have a lot of contact, you know. Yeah. And I invited them, and I was like, the first one I said, you know, I, I don't know why would anyone watch this, you know? Yeah. Because this is <laughs> that was horrible. Me for the first twenty, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like, still ask myself <laughs> that question. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, you know, I was very shy and. I, it was, for me, it was horrible, yeah. <laughs> you know? but it was like, yeah, maybe I should try again, you know, I should do more. And then, so I did four recorded that I didn't know if I would publish, you know. Mm. Then I said, okay, I got to publish this thing, you know, because maybe someone will learn something. Yeah. And, and then it was... Um, it was that, you know, like, so I started publishing and I got a feedback from people said, oh, you know, more first it was like technical, you know, no, the audio is bad in this part. Oh, yeah. the video, you should do that. And then it was like, oh, um, 
you you jumped straight into the occupation you should ask more about you know how the person was in the beginning of their lives you know like what they did as a kid and that that kind of things and then i was like yeah that's true you know so i started listening to some people not everyone mm. but some people you know how i could improve and like i got a a bit more confidence yeah and i i did like a lot pre-recorded mm -hmm. because i was like uh, i live is good but at, at the same time it will uh, you lose a lot of your uh, your freedom you know like mm. if you want to record 10 episodes here and take a, a holiday in spain you can mm -hmm. kind of you know because yeah. it's, it, it won't work on itself but uh, yeah but then if it's live it's like uh, you gotta prepare and then you gotta be there at the time and yeah it, it's good because of the interaction yeah but at first i was like no one's gonna watch this so who is gonna interact you know I, and i was imagining you know imagine i'm live and then there is no messages here in the live chat and then i was i would start feeling uncomfortable and would be a lot of pressure on me and I was like no so i started like this uh, recording and then at the end of last year i was like yeah i will start doing some live streams mm. but then i had a few podcasts recorded still so i did like one live today and then one recorded episode tomorrow you know mm -hmm. didn't like doing like that and now everything's live Unless I have to travel or, you know, I yeah. have to do something and, uh, and then I would record one or two. Yeah. Yeah. But... And are you managing, like, so when it's live, are you interacting with the comments or reading them out at the same time as interviewing someone? No, first, it's normally it's like this. So my wife, she's uh, the camera controller. Uh -huh. <laughs> no. She deserves a big shout out here. Come on. What's your wife's yeah. name? Carol. Carol. Yeah. Big shout out to yeah, Carol. Shout out, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then she's like, um, yeah, she changes the camera and stuff. And she reads some of the messages, you know. And if it's like a super chat, you know, if it's yeah. paid, so we kind of read not at the same time, but, you know, it, it gets some priority. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, it helps supporting the channel, you know. Of course. And then yeah it's like that because i can't read like at first i i was like you know after the one hour of interview I was like reading reading but this i i can't be at the same yeah, time yeah, like, like i would not be able to do that yeah it has to be someone has to filter you know because like you can't read everything you know yeah. like sometimes it's like a crazy uh question or like but to catch you out to be like a do you like a liquor not the liquor, lick my balls. You know, they <laughs> yeah. always get you with those. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes. Yeah. sometimes <laughs> but uh, so I try not to, to you know, to say something like that. But it's like, uh, also in the beginning, I, I was like, so this new wave of podcasts, it's like you can talk about everything, right? So there's no script here. So yeah. we can talk about, of course, you have like a theme about Dublin. But if you want to ask me about whatever else, yeah i would say you know whatever i think yeah but um at first i was like 
who is gonna watch two anonymous people yeah talking about something that has nothing to do with anything you know like <laughs> if it's too broad who is gonna watch this so that's why i was like okay let uh, it has to to have like a, a thread you know like uh, it go it goes so it's a story of the immigrant you know what can i do to to be this, this guy or to to do the same thing as this person did you know but can i just say one thing from the experience of of having uh, a little bit of experience in startup businesses and now something like this right asking yourself that question and having that attitude is extremely important because if you are an anonymous person let's say you i don't know you design t-shirts and you're like yeah yeah all my t-shirts are amazing but you, you can't have that attitude you have to have the attitude especially nowadays where uh, everyone is on social media and everyone's online so you're just literally another grain of sand on a massive mm. beach um, you have to have the attitude of why the hell would anybody bother their time buying this or or watching this yeah um, and I think unless you're a famous person or, or coming into it with some kind of you know maybe loads of money that you can pay for loads of google ads or something like that you yeah. had i think that attitude that you had was probably the main reason for your success yeah it's because the thing is people won't watch this thing because of you no. we watch because it's like what can i gain from that yeah the you value know? yeah like um that's why i i always thought about that you know like um yeah like i'm not famous and I, I really don't want to be famous, you know, like, yeah. it, it's like my, what I like to do, it's what, what I like to see is to make the podcast work, you yeah. know, make it like, uh, yeah, it's making money. Yes. It's like, it's, uh, you know, it, it's getting traction. Uh, I, I like to see the results of what I'm doing, you know, yeah. but it's not because, oh, like I want to be famous. No, like even I'm not in the. Most of the clips when you see on Instagram, mm. I'm not on them, yeah. you know, like I put people there. I like to, to put yeah. stories of people, you know, that's mm. the, that's the goal. And, um, so yeah, the, the podcast started growing, I think because people f found value, you know, in watching yeah. it and also because of the clips. Mm -hmm. So the clips are the, the important thing, you know? Mm. Um, easily digestible they might pop up now and again uh, that they're easy to interact with and it's not you don't have to go through the full podcast to get to the meaty bits is, is that why you think they're, they're popular? yeah yeah definitely like so there was one guy I interviewed okay so uh, did I maybe I put I put his name on the title of the video but I put like some something maybe his profession you know but at one point there he says oh i was a stripper here <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> so i worked as a stripper here for you know for a while and then i made 500 euros in the night then I'm like of course this will be a clip you know it's kind of not be a clip yeah. yeah and then you put that on instagram the person is like oh, i gotta watch this episode you know yeah. because he's saying about you know being a stripper like people are curious about that you know yeah. and then well clips are maybe the most important thing of course the main podcast is is important 
but because of course it's the whole story there but then yeah you got the it promotional the part the promotional part has to be the clips yeah that's what gets grow. the eyes onto the onto the actual product yeah, yeah exactly Felipe, yeah. mm. i um i would love to keep this going for like another hour but today we're doing a a, a stack of of recordings <laughs> okay. um, and I'm, I'm paranoid that there's someone else coming downstairs <laughs> but there's a couple of questions that mm. i'd like to ask you or we normally mm. ask before we before we finish um First of all, if you're speaking to someone who's thinking about moving to Ireland, let's avoid accommodation because we know it's such a big and obvious problem. But what other piece of advice would you would you recommend them? Bring money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. how, how Bring much, money. How much money uh, would you do you think is enough? Uh, okay, I can talk about the students, right? So mm -hmm. it's like the minimum it's three thousand euros. So bring. 5,000 if you can, yeah. you know. No, but the thing is, be prepared, you know. Like, uh, I think moving abroad, it's like starting your own business. Yeah. It's the same thing. You gotta, you know, you gotta save some money. Yeah. And then you gotta invest in this thing. So you gotta pay for your uh, travel, you know, you gotta pay for your accommodation in the beginning. Yeah, it's like you're investing mm -hmm. the money. It's like in a business, and then when you start working, you you're more stabilized here. You're more used to everything. When you learn the language, it's basically learning high skill. Uh, then you can start collecting and start getting the the fruits yeah. from from this big move. So you gotta be prepared, you know and how to be prepared to bring money to yeah. if you I, I I know that some people made a big living you know they went to to America and uh, you know they crossed the border in Mexico and did this illegally and they are you know rich now I know one or two people who might have done that but yeah. most people who try this way they are it's a failure, you know, yeah. most people. So if you want to do the things that we work for a long time and do everything the right way, just be more pre prepared. Just, yeah. yeah, that's the main advice, you know. Mm. Good advice. Mm. And you've been here since 2011. You've seen lots of things, or you've been here on and off since 2011. You've seen lots of things. Where is your favorite space in Dublin? Or in Ireland, it doesn't mm. have to be just Dublin. Well, now it's my studio <laughs> <laughs> that I have to spend maybe 12, 13 hours a day there. Mm -hmm. But other than wow. that, yeah, other than that, it's like, um, I don't know, I go to Deliri a lot of times. <laughs> maybe it's a bit cliche, you know. That's nah, a nice but, spot. Uh, yeah, I lived in, in Blackrock for a while mm -hmm. and then I always... Uh, went there but Ireland Ireland you know as a country it's very beautiful uh, I I have a motorbike and I traveled a lot here and like I've been nearly nearly everywhere but I haven't been to Dingo yet <laughs> but anyways like in Ireland, I would say the Ring of Kerry was one of the best trips I yeah, did it's exactly yeah. Yeah. and uh but in Dublin, yeah, maybe Dalyri, maybe the Phoenix Park. 
Uh, <laughs> and they're all they're all brilliant places yeah. for their own reasons and uh, uh, I don't know I, some people are from the you know the countryside in Brazil or some people are from who've never seen snow in their life you know they kind of get uh, they get hooked onto different places in Ireland so there's so much opportunity for everyone to kind of find their own little private space but um, Felipe yeah. th- thank you so much for giving the time and uh coming in to see us uh, really appreciate it and uh, do you want to uh, promote yourself your podcast or anything like that anything else to say before we finish yeah if you speak Portuguese just go to Boulder podcast on YouTube uh, and uh, I actually saw the other day you put some English subtitles onto your video did I? maybe not <laughs> I think it is <laughs> I don't know or maybe it was coming up somehow because I think maybe was, someone did yeah um yeah. Anyway, I was able to follow it for the first time, but there you go. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, yeah, I will do a few English interviews uh, coming up now, and I know one. It's going to be a famous guy mm. ah, for cool. now, the first one. Cool. But I... Can you tell us? Or is that a secret? I don't, I don't, I don't want to tell because, you know, if it doesn't work, you know, it's, okay, it's okay, bad. Okay. But, but it's going to be a good one, I think. And... Uh, but I plan on doing at least two times a month, like an English interview. Cool. Yeah. If not, if if it doesn't happen this year, it will be in 2023. 2023. Perfect. Yeah. Well, well, stay tuned. Uh, thank you very much, Philippe. Uh, congratulations on becoming an Irish citizen. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Must be very, very proud. We're happy to have you. And, yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks so much, Mark, again. Yeah. Thanks, Ross. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you. Boom. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.